The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. And I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, uh, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. Uh, for the beginning of the year, I'm going to be interviewing a lot of powerful guests uh, uh, that can help us transform our lives, that can help us create new paradigms for better living and help give us understanding on, about who we are in God and who God is in us. And today I have one of my favorite people in all of the world on the call for an interview. Uh, we have on the line the Aramaic Bible expert, translator from the ancient Peshitta text, uh, author of so many books I couldn't name them all, and they're all great, the Reverend Dr. Rocco Erico. Hello, Dr. Erico. How are you doing? Just fine. How are you doing, Reverend Mendow? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yes. I, you know, for some people, this might be the first time they've heard uh, heard you speak, and I want to make sure that they have a little bit of background. So, could you give us a little bit of background uh, and some some information about your emphasis before we start? Yes. Well, my whole approach is, of course, to the greatest book in the world, which is the Bible, the Holy Bible. And my approach to it is different from most people's approach to it. Most of them scholars go after the historicity. Some go after different types of interpretation, whereas my approach is strictly from the Semitic language of Aramaic, the language of Jesus. And my mentor, Dr. George M. Lamsa, who passed away in 1975, had completed the entire Bible translation from Aramaic into English. And he had written about four commentaries on the Bible, four or five commentaries, and several other books, and he was known all over the world. Well, I worked with him ten years. We worked together. And, of course, I've been carrying on his work ever since he made his transition from this world. What makes this so different and so unique and so outstanding and so helpful to people is that when you translate from Aramaic into English the entire Bible, which Dr. Lamza did, 
we discovered there were about 12,000 differences. For example, the Bible does not say God is a jealous God. Most translations say that. But in Aramaic, it's zealous or passionate. And there's a complete different meaning there. And like I said, 12,000 differences. Jesus didn't say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We soon will be hearing that on Good Friday in a couple of months from now. And yet what he said in as Aramaic, El, El, Mana, Shwakten. And this in Aramaic means, oh God, oh God, for this was my destiny, not why have you forsaken me. And this, like we can't do all 12,000. I'll just do one more to give the listeners an idea. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus did not say, lead, lead us not into temptation. God is not going to lead anyone into temptation. In fact, it was to keep us out of trouble. And in Aramaic, it's, and do not let us enter into temptation. In other words, keep me alert and awake that I don't fall prey to temptation and I enter it. That's the meaning of what Jesus said, and not, do not lead us into temptation. God's not about to do that. <laughs> and I've been working with uh, on the Aramaic now for years, and I redid all of Dr. Lambs' commentaries and added new material to it, and now we have seven books on the New Testament, and we have six on the Old Testament of commentaries. And I avoid as much as possible denominational belief systems. I only present it from the Aramaic language, from the culture, from the idioms, from the psychology and the background of the people. So the scriptures come alive, and you see it in a whole new way and in a whole new light, which clears a lot of myths of ideas that have created problems in our hearts and in our minds and, and have brought a bad picture of God and a misunderstanding of so many of the things that we read in the scriptures about God being wrathful and all that because they don't understand how the scriptures were written and what is meant by so many of those things. And that's my approach from Aramaic. And that's a short, short synopsis of the background on the Aramaic language. Yeah, thank you. That was that was powerful. That by itself was worth the call. Oh, Obviously, thank you. <laughs> I, when I originally called you, I wanted to talk about Jesus and how Jesus and, and Christianity has been so warped, especially in the Western world. Uh, you know, you know. I saw something on social media a couple of weeks ago, and it basically had a a, a picture of Jesus as a as a, a right wing gun toting conservative. <laughs> oh my God! Well, using Jesus politically is what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was it was amazing. I'm looking at this picture, and I'm saying, "Wow, this is uh-huh. how far it is gone." So yes, it has. From, from the Aramaic Semitic viewpoint, who is Jesus? Well, you know, really, it started moving away from him toward the end of the first century. And by the second century, it, Christendom was 
totally divided. There were all different types of Christianities, many different types of Christianities, with all their different ideas. They moved away from the simplicity of Jesus' teachings. Even the Gospels themselves were edited by scribes. And they changed a little bit of some of the meanings and teachings of Jesus. But by the second century, it was really changing. And then over the centuries, it kept changing and changing. And then in our modern world, we really change it. And we're trying to go back. Really, there's only one way we can go forward. We have to go back and get the real nucleus and the golden nugget of what Jesus was really all about what was his mission what was he after in this life he gave his life for it and that's what we have to understand so in order to go forward we have to go back to backward back to jesus and his simple direct teachings then we can move forward but you see everyone likes to put jesus in their own image in their own culture in their own color and everything all all nations do that Everyone puts Jesus in their own culture and see him from their own perspective instead of the Semitic Near Eastern Aramaic Hebrew background. He was Jewish, and we moved away from that, and it gradually changed. We became very Greek, and the Greek ideas and Greek notions have polluted some of the some of the ideas and teachings of Jesus and Christianity. The Christianity today should be called churchianity and not Christianity. And the word Christ itself is Greek. It is not Aramaic. It is not Hebrew. In, uh, it's the same word in Aramaic and Hebrew. His last name isn't Christ. People always say Jesus Christ. Well, that's not his last name. Christ is not a name. It's a title, not a name. And in Aramaic, there are no definite articles. That's how come he became known as Jesus Christ. But it should be Jesus the, if you're going to use Christ, Jesus the Christ in English, because it means Jesus who has been anointed by God to bring a specific mission into this world, a whole change in this world. So he should be called Jesus the Anointed, or using another word that a lot of Jewish people use, Messiah, which means, Messiah means the anointed one. And we have moved away from it. This is why many Jewish people do not believe in Jesus, because they didn't feel he fulfilled what the Messiah was supposed to fulfill. But he did. But as it spread, it changed. It changed completely. And that's why we have what we do today, Jesus toting a gun and all this business. It's ridiculous. We, it's, we need to get back to the original, pure, Jewish, Semitic, Aramaic, speaking prophet and teacher, and that is Jesus of Nazareth. And by the way, his name is not Jesus. That's Greek again, too. That's coming from the Greek language. His name is Yeshua. Yeshua. A lot of people today are calling him Yeshua. It's not Yeshua. It's Yeshua. The Y and the E are a double E sound. Yeshua. That's how you would say it in Aramaic. And it means God saves. That's what his name means. It comes from the word that we often use for the great Hebrew leader and commander, and that was Joshua. 
And actually, how we would say his name is Yeshua, is how his name would be, Joshua. And he taught us a whole new way of life. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I have one question that I want to really ask, and I know it's a larger Mm -hmm. question, and I don't want to take too much time from the viewers, I mean, from the callers. So, But I do want to ask one question before I open it up to callers. What is the gospel of Jesus? Oh, okay. Let's take a look at that word gospel, and then we're going to go, what did he teach? What was his message? There are primarily three Aramaic words that have been translated as gospel. We use the word gospel from Greek, evangel. But in Aramaic, they use three words. For instance, we have the four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're called the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That word gospel there is, in Aramaic, is the word karozutha. And karozutha should be translated as the preaching of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's not God. That's not the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those books are not the gospel. They contain the gospel. But the word gospel for their title of their book should be called the preaching. Then the, another word we use, which is ewangalion. Ewangalion is a borrowed Greek word, which means gospel from evangel. But the he the actual Aramaic word for gospel, now we're getting to the gospel according to Jesus, that word in Aramaic is swartha, swartha. And the root of that word means hope, expectation. The hope, the hope that Jesus taught, the expectation that Jesus taught, what the world was expecting, that is really what the Jewish people were expecting. And that's what Jesus came preaching. He came preaching, first John started it, John the Baptist. And Jesus sat under John and listened to him teach. And we had just have a short, short story of it in the four Gospels about John. But John started teaching that God, the kingdom of God, was at hand, that is, was, was present, was, was about to dawn on the people. And so Jesus came teaching, he, after John had been arrested, then Jesus went throughout Galilee and everywhere teaching that message. If you read the Gospels closely, it'll, you'll see that right away. And, and the, in the early chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, it tells you right off the bat what Jesus was teaching. And he says, he came teaching that the kingdom of God had drawn near, was upon the people. It was here. And he demonstrated the kingdom of God by healing, by teaching, by showing people a new way of life. That was the kingdom of God. Now, again, we have English problems. The word kingdom in our language, the word kingdom often means a realm, uh, a certain limited realm or territory, a kingdom where a king rules. 
But the word for kingdom, both in Aramaic and Hebrew, there's no difference. Just slight difference in pronunciation. In Aramaic, if I'm going to say the word kingdom, I say malkutha. If I'm going to say kingdom in Hebrew, I say malkuth. Same word. It's just that we add an A in Aramaic. Almost all the nouns in Aramaic have an A added at the end. So, but what does it mean? And what does the word king? The word king in Aramaic is Malka. In Hebrew, Melech. It's spelled the same, just pronounced differently. And it means counsel. When it says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it means heaven's counsel, spiritual counsel, God's counsel. Jesus came teaching God's counsel. He came showing that the counsel of God was to be predominant on the earth so that we could live in peace, in joy, in prosperity, in health, in happiness. This is what Jesus came to do. But, of course, he was crucified. And later on, it began to change. The message of the kingdom gradually got lost. The message of God's presence, lively presence among the people, began to change. And, and then it became everything else. Instead of the kingdom of God, we got what we call today the church. But the word church, actually, in Aramaic is very interesting. It's the word eta. Eta in Aramaic. Now, not Greek. Greek is ecclesia. But in Aramaic, it's eta. And eta in Aramaic means a, something you conjugate around. That is, a congregation. And it means to, to actually throw a party, to celebrate. <laughs> We're supposed to be celebrating the counsel of God, the presence of God, the presence of peace, the presence of joy, the presence of happiness, the presence of goodness, where we no longer, we've changed, in other words, the way we normally live would be changed with the presence and the power and the authority of God's counsel now on the earth. That was his gospel. Beautiful, he did not beautiful. teach the cross. He taught the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Don't worry about the word heaven. The word heaven was a euphemistic term that is a substitute word for God. Got it. Got it. That was powerful. That was powerful. Yet again, worth the call. Just that answer right there. For those who are out there listening, you're getting fed. This is the food that feeds the soul. Before we take our first break, because we're about a minute and a half away, Dr. Eric, from a break, okay. I want to make sure that the callers have the phone number so they can call in and ask questions. The number is 888-558-6489. Again, I repeat that, 888-558-6489. I want to remind people that this show has a Facebook page, which is Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. You can go on the page, like it, share it with other people and find out about guests and different things that we have on the show, et cetera, et cetera. I do want to mention uh, really briefly that with the one minute we have before the break that Dr. Erico has a new book titled Sodom and Gomorrah, What Really Happened. It's a powerful book. It's only nine ninety five, And if you ever want to read and understand some of, uh, you know, this particular story only because it's so misinterpreted, because people don't understand the Semitic culture and language, et cetera, that Dr. Erico has brilliantly explained already. Make sure you get this book. You can get the book at 
the website www.noohra.com n-o-o-h-r-a.com and could you give them the phone number Dr. Erico? Yes the phone number is 678 945 Shall I give it to him again? Yes please. 678 945 Beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to take our first break, and when we come back, we'll start taking callers for Truth Transforms. We'll be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Uh, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm interviewing the Reverend Dr. Rocco Erico, Aramaic Bible scholar and expert on the Semitic culture of the Bible. I want to let you know that you can find him on his website, uh, RoccoAerico.com. Uh, R-O-C-C-O-A-E-R-R. ICO.com to watch videos and get other information. I gave the other website to where you can get his books. That was the Nora Foundation, N O O H R A.com. 
So I want to make sure that we open it up for callers. So callers, if you're out there, I want you to pick up the phone and start calling in and ask the questions. 888-558-6489. Again, 888-558-6489. Make sure that you call in and ask your questions. Uh, the We're open. So until we have some callers come in, Dr. Erico, I'm going to ask another question. Yes. This The question is, was Jesus an apocalyptic preacher? Oh, you asked a tremendous question about being an apocalyptic preacher. (laughs) Scholars even debate this. Some claim he was apocalyptic. Others claim he wasn't apocalyptic. And um, the problem is, uh, and it depends on the people what they want to accept along that line. To me, he wasn't apocalyptic. But if people want to believe he, he was, that's, that's their business. But personally, the way I see Jesus, I do not see him as apocalyptic. I see him bringing the truth and the power and the presence and the love of God in such a way to people. And not, you know who was apocalyptic? John the Baptist. <laughs> okay. When he said, you generation of scorpions, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's apocalyptic. Okay. <laughs> That's Got where it. wrath and terrible judgment and things are going to happen. Let me tell you, God does not bring that kind of judgment. God is pure love. God is pure joy. God is pure sense of whole being and wellness. This is what God is in us and a part of us. We are a part of God. And and as a result of that, this is what's really in us. But what happens is when we depart from that simple truth of what of love, of peace, of joy, of trying to reconcile. See, when Jesus said, love your enemies, that's, I cannot picture that. Jesus was toting a gun and then saying to us, love your enemies. It does, that picture does not jive with his teaching. Right, right. And he said, yeah. bless those who curse you, etc., etc. I mean, there's so much of Jesus, which is contrary to that picture and that idea. And then trying to get rid of Muslims out of the United States, that's ridiculous. We should be looking for ways to find harmony, because God is harmony, God is peace, God is joy. what, What they're afraid of is this fringe group of Islamic people. But let me tell you, people bring this on themselves. Wrath, judgment, all these things, we bring it on ourselves. Human beings do that. We are the lords of the earth. When God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and he said, you have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the land beast, and everything on the earth. He said, in other words, according to the the book of Genesis, God made us lords of the earth. And if we're the lords of the earth, then we are responsible for the earth. We are responsible for wars. We are responsible for hatred. We are responsible for all these things. And we're the only ones that can change it. God's not going to do it. God's not going to touch it because everything was delivered into our hands. We can do it through God. But he made us lords of the earth. And that's why God doesn't stop wars. God doesn't stop these different things. Because we are the lords of the earth. According to what the scriptures say. 
We're made in God's image and likeness. And then we have dominion on the earth here. And then people pray, why doesn't God change things? Why doesn't God do this? Why don't we stop it? Why don't we stop our hatred? Why don't we st- and begin to reconcile? Just like these people who are extreme in the religion of Islam. They're promoting hatred. They're promoting murder. They're promoting all these different things. But it's up to us to bring reconciliation. And it's up to other members of the Islamic faith to rise up and really demonstrate the way of God on earth and not murder and hatred and division and separation and all that. It's, it's again, are responsible for it. Human beings are. I don't care what religion they are. And beautiful, so, beautiful. And I think is, we might have we're, a caller. With that. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, Dr. Erica, okay. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I believe we have a caller That's okay. On the you line. have a caller, we'll try to take, take them. Okay, we have Donald on the line. Donald, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much, Reverend. Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Rocco Erico, for mm-hmm. your dedication and your inspiration, your sacrifice for teaching the world, actually, about the God that sent us. And I just wanted to let you know I appreciate you. Um, my question is in regards to the Apostle Paul. I read yes. a lot of his writings, and I, I, I was particularly bringing out a scripture, but I decided that maybe just maybe if you could give me a brief synopsis of how you feel Paul's writings uh, may be important for us right now. Well, uh, of course, you must remember, Paul is not Jesus, and he never sat under Jesus. He never got his direct teachings. He's got probably some scrolls that were written of some of the teachings of Jesus. But he, as far as we know, he never became a Christian because even Jesus wasn't a Christian. These terms came later. Paul felt he had a revelation on the cross of Jesus, the idea of what the cross meant. And he brought an, an, a new turn or a new twist to the idea of what Jesus brought. He emphasized the cross. Jesus emphasized the kingdom of God. But there are many things that Paul says that is misunderstood because we don't see it from the Near Eastern Aramaic culture from which Paul comes from, even though he was born in Turkey. As far as we know, the book of Acts tells us that he was born in Tarsus in in Turkey. Paul, in any of his letters, doesn't say that. We have a little problem there between the book of Acts and some of Paul's writings and letters because it doesn't quite agree. Even when he tells about his missionary journeys, uh, Paul uh, does not agree with some of the things that are in the book of Acts. So we know that he had some sort of a change that took place, an appearance, a revelation that came to him of Jesus. And he said many good things, and he said some things that would absolutely be contradictory to the teachings of Jesus. But who can forget some of his wonderful writings to the Corinthians, his chapter on love, his uh, understanding of how to get along with one another. He, He brought many good things. But he brought some things that changed the direction of the teaching of Jesus. And this is the problem that we have with Paul. It's, it's up to people. I don't use Paul that much. I used to, years ago in my early ministry, used Paul a great deal because I was brought up in the idea 
of Paul's teachings. In fact, every time you hear Jesus' teaching, you will hear 500 to 1,000 times more Paul's teachings. I don't follow Paul that much. I follow more the simple, simple teachings of Jesus. And they are, and they were direct. Jesus was always direct. For instance, Paul talks about we have an intermediary, that Jesus becomes an intermediary between us and God. And actually, Jesus never taught that. Jesus taught, when you pray, you pray, which in Aramaic is, our Father, who is everywhere. Mm. That's what that means in Aramaic. Or we say our Heavenly Father. And the word Father in Aramaic means beloved. So in other words, it's saying there's no intermediaries. You go directly to God yourself. And when you pray, you pray our Father. That's direct. He doesn't say you you have an inter- I'm going to become your intermediate, the one that's going to be in between you, just like a priest, in between you and God. There's no one in between you and God. You go direct to God, Jesus taught, directness. Paul didn't. He used the old, old ways. And there's many things in some of the other writings, letters in the, in the New Testament, which talks about the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. They make the blood of Jesus the way to forgive sin. Jesus never taught that. Jesus taught repentance was the way to forgive sin. And you find that in Luke. You find that in Matthew. You find it in Mark. Repentance. Jesus taught repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent means to turn from the way you are living your your life to a new way of living life. And that's how Jesus taught the forgiveness of sin through repentance, not through animal blood or even human blood. And imagine God trying to forgive us, but he can't do it until he kills his son. That doesn't make sense. All through the writings of the prophets, they say God didn't want animal sacrifices. He wants justice and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. This is what God wants. You read the writings of the prophets. This is what they were after. And Paul sometimes fell back on that. And the book of the Hebrews falls back on a lot of the old ways of approaching God through blood, through animal sacrifice, through priests, through high priests, through animals, all that. Whereas Jesus didn't teach that. He taught, you pray, our Father. You go directly to God. And yes, forgive us our offenses, even as we have forgiven our offenders. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's totally different from what you find in Paul. Jesus gave the Jewish faith a new emphasis, a new synthesis. He brought it even into a greater way that more people could enter into it. He was powerful. There's no doubt about it. So that's how I would look at Paul. Okay. A, well, but like I, I said, there are a lot of good things that Paul said that are just wonderful. Uh, you know, like his chapter on love in Corinthians and what he talks about faith and and all, all those other different things he did. But there's a few things I would disagree with, Paul. That's a little synopsis. <laughs> well, I thank you so much, Dr. Erico, because you're always willing to answer questions when you ask. So I, I definitely appreciate you, and thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Definitely, definitely.
Uh, thank you, Donald. We have, again, we have time for take more callers. If you want to call in, you can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Erica, again, we're still talking about Jesus. And yes. um, what is the true meaning of the Holy Spirit as comforter? Oh, that's in the Gospel of John. That's where that comes in. He doesn't talk about that at all in the other Gospels. And that simply means the my influence will be with you always. You have to keep it in the setting in the Gospel of John. He knew that he was going to going to be killed and go away. So what what did in the Gospel writer there is telling us that the Comforter, that is Jesus' influence would always be with them. The spirit there means the influence of Jesus. His comf- what he, how he taught them, what he said to them, how he was with them, how he behaved when he was with them, how he demonstrated God's love, how he demonstrated God's healing. That would always be with them. That was the comforter. That's why he used the word comforter. Paracleta is, is the Aramaic word which means someone alongside of you constantly comforting you. In other words, his influence, his teachings, his spirit. is his spirit that would be with us. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, you, know, you know, you hear the term a lot. I think, Dr. Erica, that we have a caller again. Uh, okay. We do. The producer nodding his head. Who do we have online with us? Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. How you doing? Hi. Who is this? Pretty good. Hi, Dr. Erica. Hello. Um, I have a question. Um, I read um, so many views about who Jesus is. Um, I mean, there's books out um, about uh, through the Gnostics' teachings and and whatnot. Personally and spiritually, who do you see Jesus as? Well, I don't quite know what you're asking. Who do I see Jesus as? What, who do you who do you in your in your mind mm-hmm. um, what is your concept of Jesus? Who do you think he was? Is what I, I probably should have worded that better. Okay. Well, actually, uh, the problem is the reason why we even ask these questions. It's because of not understanding Aramaic terminology. Mm-hmm. For instance, the term "son of God." You see, because a lot of people see Jesus as Son of God. But how do they see him? They literally see him as God's Son. That is, a deity somewhere in the sky that had a son, and he sent him here. And we get this from the Gospel of John, and we don't understand the Gospel of John because that was written in Semitic, Semitic poetry, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Son of God simply means someone who is like God, good, loving. Caring. This is what it means in the Semitic languages. But because of our influence of the Western world and the Greek and the Romans, where they had gods who who dwelt in the in the heavens somewhere, and and you know, and they were always uh, manipulating the people here on the earth and all this type of thing, and all all that ancient mythology. Being God's son simply means. A person who allows God to flow through them. And what do we mean by that? That love, peace, joy, harmony, understanding, all of this flows through that person. This is the Semitic understanding. And also God's Son, in 
in the Jewish setting meant the anointed one, the the Messiah, the, the person who was supposed to bring a whole new world and bring peace to the Jewish people, would defeat their enemies, and there'd be peace all over the earth, and out of the temple would come the truth, and people would turn to the temple because the truth of God would spread all over, but it didn't happen that way. didn't happen that way at all, and it still hasn't fully happened. So how do I see Jesus? I see Jesus, first of all, as a human being. He was born naturally just like you and I are born. And if he was born differently, if he did not have a father, and that God somehow did a miraculous thing with, with Mary, then he cannot be our leader. He cannot, we cannot do what he did. He says, and greater works will you, you will do than I am doing. Well, I would say to him, if I were born like you, where it was a direct intervention by God in my mother, and I came into this world, well, I could do what you do. But you see, those stories were added later. Jesus was 100% human being. And let me tell you, we have put down on our humanity, which is a shame. When the biblical writer in Genesis brings humanity the way he sees humanity, he sees humanity as God saying, let us make humankind our image, our likeness, and let them have dominion over the face of the earth. So a human being, then, is an expression of God. We, were, we are here to express God, to express goodness, to express love. So I see Jesus as a as a human being, just like you and me. But he allowed and he felt the guidance and the oneness and the relationship with God, and he expressed it. That's how I see Jesus. And he brought a whole new way of life and light into this world for all of us. And if we were to follow that, we would have peace on earth, just the way the angels sang it. Peace on earth and good hope not will. The word there is swara. Swartha and swara is the same word, and it means hope, expectation, good expectation for people on earth, not will. That's the word in Aramaic. So that's how I see Jesus, and that, that he was the Son of God, but understand how I'm using that term, Son of God, and that he was guided by God. And God exalted him tremendously. That's why everyone goes by his name today. Okay, well then my question is, if mm -hmm. Jesus was human, who taught him what he knew? Was this something he was born with, the, the knowledge of self? Was he, did he get it from his parents? Who taught him or who opened him? I mean, how did he learn this? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Very good one. The scriptures tell us, it says he grew in wisdom and understanding. He began to study the scriptures. He sat, he sat with the rabbis. Now, remember, you've got to think rabbi differently than the, today what we do use the term rabbi. Because the actual term of a, of a rabbi and head, a head of a synagogue didn't take place, and the, and the, the teachings of rabbinical schools didn't start until the second century. But when they used the word rabbi during Jesus' time, the, and it's an Aramaic word, it's really not Hebrew, it's rabbi. And rabbi means my great one. 
my great teacher, and he learned from the scriptures, and he opened up. He felt all this, and he and what what gave him the clue is when John the Baptist appeared, when he sat and listened to John the Baptist, and then finally was baptized by John, because he felt that that mission that John had, he needed to take it up and continue with it. That's how he did it. He learned from the goodness of his parents. He learned from the goodness of the teachers, the synagogue, and Holy Scripture, which was read to him. And that's why they were surprised that he had so much knowledge and understanding. We have this in us. We have an intuitive knowledge of God, but people aren't awake to it fully. Jesus was awake to it. People, people feel things. You know, when you're born, when I, when I was young, and I was brought up in New York City, when I was young, I always felt the presence of God. I was brought up Roman Catholic. But nonetheless, I felt something more than just the way most people were behaving. In fact, I thought I was supposed to be a priest. But then God guided me out of that and into something else. And all along this way, and here I am teaching the scriptures. In the beginning, I never thought I would. It was gradual for Jesus. His learning, his intuitiveness, his understanding came gradually, just like it does to all of us. So there was no big mystery school or any of that nonsense? No, 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 no. (laughs) We we love to do that, to promote our particular mystery school. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, Dr. Erico, that makes me, I I have to ask you a question. Sure. And that I was not prepared to ask you, but based upon the last caller, I just have to say this. Uh, It's more of a statement than a question, and please just jump in. Uh, Uh Many, many writers throughout, especially in the 20th century, have their books where they say, well, this is a channeled book from Jesus. For instance, one of the things uh, I can remember when uh, I was uh, studying in my early days of getting a new thought and someone recommended the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus Christ. And oh, I'm yes, reading the I book. Read that one too. Yeah. And it says, <laughs> and Mary's looking for Jesus as a little boy. And it says, uh, have you uh, have you seen my son, Jesus, the one with blonde hair and blue eyes? And I closed the book and I literally have never opened the book again. It was 1994. I, uh-huh. I refused to even read this book. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff in it. And, you know, and of course, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the spiritual teachings of A Course in Miracles, but I don't believe Jesus spoke in Elizabethan English. No, he didn't. So, so, so <laughs> I, I wanted you to just speak to the channel Jesus for a moment. Um, and, you know, the, the, I think you, I've heard you call it the Christ of your soul versus the historical Jesus. Mm-hmm. Could you speak well, to that a little you- bit, please? Well, you see, here's the thing. Of all these type of writings, they're coming from the soul of that person. That is intuitive writing coming from the soul of that person. And it's just not the Aquarian Gospel. You know how many other, I have many other books that I've seen and read that have come that way. The Urantia book, many, many, many books. These these are good. And what they do is they take some of the biblical stuff and then it t- takes on a twist. You know, like God being blonde and blue-eyed, that's Aryan. That's to exalt the Aryan nation. And, you know, Hitler was doing that thing with Aryan people, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And Jesus, you know, everyone sees, like when we even do the the um, angels, how we picture angels. We see them as Scandinavians, right. <laughs> you know. Right. And so everyone's picturing Jesus this way. And, and, and this is what I said earlier when we first opened up the program. Everyone has their own picture of Jesus. People in India, they think of Jesus as the great meditator in the dark temples. You know, it's, it's, they, they want to see him anywhere but in his true setting, which was Jewish, which was had to do with the Semitic people at that time. And he was in that culture and time. And he spoke using that language at that time. You have to keep him in that setting. Now, in his spirit now, in his spirit... People see him according to the way they were brought up. So there's a difference between the actual physical man, Jesus, which we call the historical Jesus, and what people make of him. You know, I've seen different psychics doing different pictures of Jesus. They said, oh, Jesus appeared to them. And if you take all those pictures of Jesus and compare them, they're all different. They're all different. Because it's coming from the soul of that person. I'm going to tell you a little something about the soul. I don't know if I have time for this. We have seven minutes. Okay. Take, on, I'll, take I'll it give off. The, I'll, give the <laughs> I'll give the listeners a little hint about something that people don't notice in the Bible. When it refers to God, when Moses was on the mount and he had that dream of a bush on fire. And he was in the dream. He went towards the book because he was wondering why the bush was not burning up, you know, why it wasn't consumed. And he went towards it. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared in, in this bush. And he spoke to Moses. And he called him, Moshe, Moshe, come closer. And he did. He drew near. And he said, I am, listen to this, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God identified with the soul of Abraham, with the soul of Isaac, with the soul. That is the the, the person, the person. I don't have time to explain the full meaning of soul because I would need at least 45 minutes with you. But in other words, it came from that heart and mind of that person. In other words, not from a temple, not from a shrine, not from a holy rock or holy ground, but it came from the actual heart, mind, and spirit from Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, in other words, not the God of heaven and earth, but the God of the person, Abraham, the God of the person, Isaac, the God of the person, Jacob. Are you, do you understand what I'm driving at? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So the sacred temple, the sacred temple exists today, not in churches, but in the bodies of human beings. That's Mm. where... The most sacred temple of God resides, and where the Ark of the Covenant is, and where the Shekinah glory is, and where everything of God is, is right there. But people are not awake to it. They don't understand who they are, and what they are, and what their destiny is. 
It's the soul will teach you, God. We're here to reveal God on earth. That's wow. the best way I can put and answer your question. That, that, that's, a, that's a powerful, and it, it brought me back as you were explaining it. It reminded me of how much, for instance, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore emphasized the body temple being the temple of God and the intuitive knowing and the importance of our humanity in the sense of many people are body deniers in spiritual teacher teaching. Right. And but, yet but look, they emphasized look, it. Look what Charles Fillmore did. He anchored the twelve powers in the different areas of the body. Mm-hmm. Yes. When he got yes. the revelation of the twelve powers, he anchored it in different areas of the physical body. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I wish we had time to talk about that. <laughs> Three uh-huh. minutes. <laughs> oh, God. Can you come back just to talk about that one day? Because <laughs> that, would, that would make my day. I, I can honestly okay. say that. That would make my day. You know, in closing, uh, because we have about two and a half minutes left, and I want to make sure that people, have again, have an opportunity to, to follow you. I would strongly suggest anybody who's never read any of the material from Dr. Errico to get the book, uh, Let There Be Light, The Seven Keys, it's, you know, his seminal work. I, you know, it's, I recommend it to everybody. If you really want to get an understanding of, of the Bible from the perspective that Dr. Errico has presented today, I strongly suggest you get the book, Let There Be Light, The Seven Keys. And my personal favorite, I don't know if you know this, Dr. Errico, but my personal favorite is And There Was Light. I absolutely oh, yeah, love the, that that's book. That's the sequel to the first one. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love all your books. Mm-hmm. And there was light, though. I can't seem to get enough of it. I go back to it consistently over and over again because it's so full of, of after you teach the fundamentals of the seven keys, actually right. applying them to different various scriptures in the Old and New Testament is just beautiful. Um, so, you know, we have a minute and a half left. If you, do you want to leave the, uh, the listeners with something that you, you know, anything you want to leave them with, any idea or concept? I think we gave enough concepts to, (laughs) (laughs) they're going to have to really think about. So what I would like to do is, is probably close with the Lord's Prayer in the ancient Aramaic language. And if they want to contact us, by the way, may I give my phone number? Yes. Again, for the Nora Foundation, there's two ways to contact me. Through the Nora Foundation here in Georgia, and the phone number is 678-945-4006, or the website noohra.com, or the personal website where I teach once a month, one Saturday a month, and that is by you go by my name, Rocco A. Erico, R O C C O with the middle initial A, Erico E R R I C O dot com, and you can get on the Aramaic Bible Institute there and find out more about the Aramaic. And now I'd like to close with the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. Do I have time? Yes. Okay, I'm going to close with the Lord's Prayer, the way it fell from his lips almost 2,000 years ago. Shall we pray? Yes. Aun, dumashmeya, neskedeshishmach, tse malkusach, nekwe sewiyanna, kekanna, dashmeya, apbar'an, 
Haulan Lachmasunkanyamana Washwoklan Haubain A Kanadap Hanan Shwakin Lahayawain La Talanisyana Ella Pasan Minbisha Mithol Dilahi Malkutha Haila Tishbohta La Alam Almin Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Erico. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are a gem to humanity. And uh, keep on you. doing the work. And, you know, you, you know you have a support in Chicago no matter what, always, for life. Thank you. So, Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless you. Goodbye. Bye. And thank you, callers, for calling in and listening. We'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. We're going to have uh, Reverend Leon Campbell from uh, the Agape Church. We're going to be talking about teaching youth spirituality and new thought principles. God bless you all. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. are one of the instruments with which we build our world. Everything is composed of energy in unique configurations of vibrations. Scientists tell us that sound vibrations affect physical matter. Think for a moment. What happens to your face and your body when you speak with joy, with concern, in anger, with excitement? A woman once described her feelings about the consoling comments of a friend. Your words reached out to me like a lifeline. Realizing how much you cared helped me know I didn't need to feel alone. When we recognize their power, we realize the wisdom of paying closer attention to the words we use and how we use them. Get into the habit of thinking before you speak. You'll never regret it. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, to get that information. 
I answer audience questions and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.